0: A locavore is a person who chooses to consume food that is grown, raised, or produced locally. This is the Locavore podcast, brought to you by Whites IGA.
1: Welcome to my Locable podcast, I'm Ros White and this is the podcast where we dig deep into the stories behind the hundreds of locally sourced, artisan, bespoke and innovative products available to you in one location at Whites IGA on the Sunshine Coast. Our Locable program was officially launched in 2013 to showcase and highlight to our customers where their food comes from and help connect them to the families who create it. Good food that feeds the soul keeps the family together. So anything we put our name on is guaranteed to have been eaten at our own table and we take great pleasure in bringing it to yours. This is a quote from my guests today and it brings joy to my heart to hear these words. Mel and Marco Guiadotti also believe the kitchen is a place where a family comes together to relive their day and plan for tomorrow. They are the founders and creators of Bella Dotti, where they always source the highest quality ingredients to bring together a range of flavours from both local producers and international markets. Mel and Marco, welcome to our local podcasts. So lovely to have you here today. Thank Thank you, you, Roz. Lovely to be here. Wonderful.
2: Thank you.
1: Beautiful. And you have such a fascinating backstory, which is as broad as the countries, you have lived and travelled, but here you are on the beautiful, beautiful, magnificent Sunshine Coast with your operations based at Coolham. What brought you here to our magnificent region and how did we get so lucky to have you?
2: Well, it started 23 years ago, to be honest. I always had a love and deep desire to come to Australia, coming from South Africa. So I took my uh, rather heavily pregnant wife and um, flew to Australia, and we hired a camper van and set off from Port Douglas and traveled all the way to Sydney, looking at the spots with my um, sneaky intention of finding places that we could one day live in the future and obviously letting Mel develop a real love for the country that I wanted to move to, but she wasn't keen on it in the beginning. So that's how we came to Sunshine Coast. It was on the short list, on the very short list.
1: And why wouldn't it be? Isn't it beautiful? Absolutely. Well, we're very lucky to have you. And I really am excited to dig into your story because it Mm -hmm. is quite fascinating. Marco, you grew up in Zambia. That's correct. Um, to Italian parents, correct. Finishing school in South Africa, and then you had a choice to join your parents in Italy. But what was it like growing up as a child in Zambia?
2: By today's standards, would probably be classified as a totally everything would have been illegal. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is kids on the back of youths hanging on, barreling through the bush. It was a wonderful life, wonderful, simple, small communities. Everybody knew everybody. It was in the middle of Africa, and it had some of the shortcomings, which was education, which is why I ended up in boarding school. But as a child, going camping and genuinely having wild animals, not in a reserve, wandering around your tents is just incredible memories that I have of childhood, Zambia. It was amazing.
1: So, how did you keep safe from those wild animals when you were a kid?
2: You you just kept quiet in the tents, to be honest. Uh, I would be you, shaking. You kept very quiet. and you learned. You learned little things, like so. When you were camping on the side of a river, uh, at night before you went to bed, you had to put the fires out, because hippo don't like. Fires on the side of the river. And so they come out and they stomp them. They stomp them right next to your tents. So if you wanted to avoid having hippos come out and doing this, you put them out before. So he learned all these little things and tricks on how to keep them away naturally.
1: And what river? Was that the Zambezi River?
2: No, 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 no. That was a little river up where we lived in Kitwe, which is the northern part of Zambia, called Luswishi. It was a little, it was a small river in the middle of Africa. Even the tiniest of rivers are full of hippo and crocodiles and you know whatever.
1: Hmm. Mm. Crazy, isn't it? Mm. Hard to imagine, but what a wonderful start to life and incredible experience. Too. Yes,
2: absolutely amazing. And it is.
1: There are some beautiful. Yeah. I've been fortunate to to travel to Zambia actually, Have you? yeah, yeah. Okay, that's awesome. and uh, and Africa, and it yeah. is just a- absolutely yeah. beautiful. Yeah. So, Mel, you're South African. Yeah. And and your family were one of the very first settlers where you grew up. What part of South Africa was that?
0: They my father's family were from the Karoo, which is very much I would imagine central Australia, going into the outback. So vast, huge, they had a sheep farm, huge sheep farms, lots of sand, tumbleweed, not much vegetation, but really beautiful area and obviously coming from South Africa I loved the African bush and the wide open spaces and it's something that really was very special to me and one of the reasons why I'm the one who was not that keen on moving to Australia even though Marco had always wanted to but when we traveled here the wide open spaces and the almost the harshness of the Australian land really, resonated with me and I found it drew me in and I found a love. I developed a love for it. And you say we're very lucky to be living on the Sunshine Coast. It's a beautiful area, but most of the people, when they think of the Sunshine Coast, love the beaches. I love driving along. I've got a thing about trees and I love seeing the, what I call, Felt which is your open grasslands and that, and these beautiful trees that as a kid I would have climbed, yeah. And that's what really resonated with me was the almost I don't want to say Africanness, but the majesticness of the Australian land
1: and the beautiful sunsets and the wide open horizons. Mm, beautiful. I do remember on our visit to South Africa, I remember the exquisite bird life. Just this beautiful, bright coloured birds that that we I would see in the trees. That you want to grab your photograph and the naughty monkeys. They were the yes. two things. Yes. Bress Bress roller, roller. Yeah. Be- Be- which birds. has been
0: replaced now by the the big budgies. Yeah. You, the, I like uh, yeah. Bugle, yeah. yeah, I know, but that's yeah. what everyone would would yeah. know them back. Like a big yeah. budgie, yeah, yeah. beautiful. Well, yeah, budgies. so well, we think the birds
1: here are far more colourful. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. Well, I guess you just notice more things when you're, you know, away them. and you're looking and you're a little bit more sort of aware. I do remember the beautiful colour and the different bird life. It was beautiful.
2: Yeah. When were you last uh, there, Uh was...
1: Oh, well, it's going back a little while now. Goodness, yeah. what year was that? 2009. Yeah.
2: The year after we arrived, uh, we were around uh, 2008.
1: There you are. Amazing. Yeah. So, Marco, you studied as a civil engineer and undertook a compulsory period in the military. So is that still happening in...
2: No. No, in African... <laughs> no, that's 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 gone now. So I started, started studying civil engineering because, like many kids that leave school, I had no idea what I wanted to do. Yeah. So my dad did the old arm-around-the-shoulder treatment and said, it's an honourable direction. I got halfway through and had to do a year's prac which is basically like a fly in fly out only a lot cruder they stuck us in a really broken down little caravan in the middle of the bush no air conditioning nothing and we i spent 13 months there and i thought that's enough and uh came back and started the whole marketing advertising side of things I chose to go to the army for a two-year compulsory stint uh, rather than follow my parents back to italy uh, because I had a girlfriend at the time, which I thought was my future, and I got a dear John about two months into Good my dear. two years.
1: <laughs> so you carried on regardless.
2: Oh yeah, no, I carried on regardless, and then I uh, finished off the military, and then I took off to travel around the world to cleanse the soul and purge the purge, the, purge everything.
1: You broken yeah. heart?
2: No, I was okay by then. <laughs> I was well okay by then. Yeah. yeah.
1: And then you ended up in New York City and yes. ran a, a photography and ad agency. Yes.
2: Yeah. So I ended up working for such and Suchy and, uh, and and a world renowned photographer uh, Gerard Gentile that worked in the, within the agency. Nothing glamorous. I was a second assistant, which is really really low down in the food chain. So basically you are the last to leave and the first to arrive, mop the floors, do the dishes, put away everything at Night, and then I had to be the first in the morning to go and do the run and get fresh bagels and the smoked salmon, Philadelphia cheese, make coffee for everybody so everybody arrived.
1: Sounds very American to um, me, <laughs> New York.
2: City. And then I would, uh, I was basically like the mailroom guy, going around and and uh, taking notes for me and sneaking around and learning and just developing an absolute love for the craft of advertising and the industry within. And then uh, yeah, so that was my stint in New York, which was just under a year. And uh, then I carried on travelling and did a whole lot of other weird and wonderful jobs around uh, the world, which probably shouldn't come up.
1: (laughs) (laughs) We won't talk about those. We probably won't have time anyway. We could keep talking for days, I think. It's fascinating. So 23 years ago you came, jumped in your camper van and Mel was Mm -hmm. heavily pregnant at the Mm -hmm. time. And 11 years ago you Mm. created Bella Dottie. So tell us, with all of that fascinating background and – Mel, you worked in PR and marketing and that's how you met, I understand, wasn't it? Yeah. How has that transcended into the creation of Belladotti? And tell us a little bit more about Belladotti and the amazing gourmet range of goodies that you create.
0: There's one vital factor that we haven't touched on, being Italian, there's definitely a passion for food in our household and
1: smart goes <laughs>
0: And so, for us looking to start a business here, a natural business for us to get into was we had a little bit of experience with food with customers in the ad agency in South Africa, and. Packaging has always been a love of Marco's. In fact, I hate taking him shopping with me because he walks up and down the aisles looking at packaging and wants to spend hours there, whereas I'm just there to get my groceries and get out of there. But So he has a love for packaging and design. I really enjoy working with people, and we have this mutual love of food. And Mm -hmm. customer service is something that I feel very strongly about as well and enjoy. So we put our minds together and and came up with – Belladotti, which is a combination between our name, which is Guidotti, which most people can't pronounce, um, understandably, and then Bella for Beautiful, which was we wanted to bring in a little bit of the Italian association. Mm. And it was Beautiful was something that we thought would be good because it would automatically put people in the mind frame thinking our products were good and desirable. And we developed our ranges, which have honestly all come about in our kitchen either from adapting recipes that have been used in Marco's family for years or in our travels in Italy going and picking up from the little local markets products that we thought this would work and you don't get anything like this in Australia and if we could do this and adapt it and scale it up it would be a really great concept to introduce and that's where Balladotti was born and we've just grown from product to product and range to range and, yeah, all underpinned by this passion for food.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and I share that passion. <laughs> I absolutely share that passion and Italian families have just this innate, it, it, they u- use beautiful fresh food to bring their families together and sit around the kitchen table or the dinner table or around the kitchen bench. Oh, that just... Oh, I just love the thought of that. And to think that your range of beautiful, fresh food, gourmet goodies, that's the inspiration. You know, you're bringing family good food together, creating that for other families to enjoy in their home, bring their families together. That's something magical, isn't it, about Bella Dotty? So there's more to it than just producing food. There's a whole history. There's your Italian heritage. There's your, your world travels, your experiences, your, your professional experiences and, and, um, in, with PR and marketing. And you've brought it all together here to the Sunshine Coast, created a factory at Coulomb Beach, and you're, you're sharing this amazing story through food with other families, not just here in Australia, though, Across the world, you're exporting to how many countries?
2: I think about 14 yeah. countries at the moment. We are exporting on a regular basis. When I say regular basis, orders going out every two to three months to about 12 And then I think we've got another four where we've had our inaugural orders and don't classify them as regular because at this stage we haven't supplied as yet. But on a regular basis, we supply to the USA, Canada, UK, Germany, Poland, Singapore, New Zealand, of course, is our biggest export market for us, and a number of others, South Korea, Indonesia, Middle East, et cetera.
1: Yeah, amazing. So So let's talk a little bit more about the product that you create. So we've got... In our White's IGA stores, we have your beautiful big stand with the salad toppers. So these are the packets of good goodies that can accompany a beautiful salad, or you know, and add that texture or that crunch, and really enhance a fresh salad or or a bowl of goodness that you've created with lovingly in your kitchen. And the risottos, I think that's a bit of a specialty of yours, isn't it? So talk us through some of the products the fra- flavours and where you get your inspiration on to, to from to to bring these together and, and deliver those into our store. Let's
2: start first with the risottos because the risottos, whilst has uh, is definitely something we're incredibly proud of and is something we've just bought our hearts into. So we bring in... Arborio rice from Italy, because essentially Australian doesn't really do arborio rice. And then uh, our porcini mushrooms that we bring in are wild harvested out of Italy, so they are controlled in those markets. We bring in freeze-dried products from India, from Holland. What sort of
1: freeze-dried uh, products would you bring in? What what?
2: Our what? Zucchini. Yeah. So we bring in okay. zucchini, bring in tomatoes, bring in peas, bring in pumpkin. So those are all freeze-dry products that we bring in at this stage and we're in discussion with local suppliers to do because freeze-dry products are starting to really take off uh, in Australia as well. When I yeah, say, well.
1: My guest, Karen Lindsay from Little White Goat, Yes, she has created, have you been speaking yes, to Karen? Yes. So um, freeze-dried feta. feta. Yes. Freeze dried that would just, feta, wouldn't that yes. be the marriage, absolutely. Ma- a marriage yeah, absolutely. Made in, in, Yes, well, yeah, so on the Sunshine plans. Coast. <laughs> in the pipeline. And so
2: yeah. we got a spinach and nutmeg risotto, spinach and feta would be even better. So it's Yummy. in the development. It's in. The, we're looking at it at the moment. So freeze-dry, I think one of the big barriers that we had with freeze-dry was... We had to find somebody that didn't need massive volumes. In Australia, traditionally, the minimum was 100 kilos of freeze-dried product, which can take one to 1,500 kilos of fresh product to make. And uh, we, in the early days, didn't need that kind of volume, but today we do. So we're now at the situation where we can start looking at um, suppliers with MOQs of 100 kilos of freeze-dried product. So uh, just all our ingredients. And then I think what the most important thing for us is we're too small to be a me-too brand. So when we make a product… It's not good enough if people just say it's good. It's really got to have those sort of sound effects. Those mmm, that's really good. I want to come back for more. Or you know, and I would ask people and say, I don't want compliments. I want to know if you're going to come back. Would you buy it again? Mm-hmm. Okay. And if I that-
0: want to interject here because talking about our kitchen table, we ha- actually have sampled the porcini mushroom risotto was my son's favourite dish, so that's where that one came from. Mm-hmm. But we have tested all our products on our friends mm. and when we do a lot of entertaining and when people come around they always sit around our kitchen table and that's where we entertain they never
1: come back that that one doesn't go <laughs> to market <laughs>
0: and we do we make them try stuff and trial it and like Michael is saying if they don't ooh and ah and say oh I want to try more then we know not yeah, a, that's not a, a great test, isn't it? No,
1: yeah. that's that's and compliments
2: went. were banned. You weren't allowed to say you weren't allowed to say anything good. You either said nothing. That was the rule because I needed the truth. I wanted the truth. That's great, Out fantastic, and
1: that, yeah. absolutely, you want the yeah. truth. Yeah. And that's what makes your product so special, mm. doesn't mm. it? Let's talk about some of the salad toppers and the you know how would you use them? What would be your recommendation on how to enhance a beautiful salad or a dish with some of the range that you've created?
0: What we've tried to do is take the hassle out of food prep. Our target market are, we believe, busy home cooks. And one of the things I can't stand doing is preparing, cutting up for a salad and thinking, how do I enhance the salad that it's more appealing to my family, get my kids to eat greens? So what we believe we've done is we've taken the hassle out and you can buy your pre-cut greens or you can make your own little base with your lettuce and tomato and cucumber and all you need to do is open one of our packets, sprinkle it on, maybe add some cheese or abo or something and you've got a gourmet interesting salad with more colour with more bits, with more flavour and more crunch and Hopefully more appeal. Yeah. So it's all about ease and it's all about adding more enjoyment to the product.
1: That's just perfect for today's busy families. Yes. That is the perfect solution because people want want to have solutions that take one step out of the process, don't yes. they? And for you to be able to, that's the convenience and the ease that you're talking about but also adding something really to transform what we can all put a few lettuce leaves on the plate and cut up a little bit of tomato and fresh avocado to have that freshness. But you just – your beautiful salad toppers are the thing that just people wear, they go, wow.
2: You're absolutely right. I think, you know, we like to see the sort of gourmet convenience where, you know, you can – basically jazz up a salad in absolute seconds and you just can uh, put on all these different toppings and we haven't even scratched the surface of the type of uses you could have Uh, we have a regular hot dog chain who buys crispy onion and uh, they use it on the hot dogs and uh, we've seen people we get a lot of emails and uh, from customers sending photographs about how they've used our bacon bits which is vegan surprises us some of the inventions and ways so, so it started off as a salad topping really but it's just now moved into so many other spheres
0: mm. it's become a community and our instagram is actually pretty much i'd say 90 90 customer pictures that are shared with me on how they use our products and then i share them for other people to look at ideas um One thing as well that's very close to our heart is the ingredients. We don't use artificial ingredients. So if you look at the back of our packs, you'll see that any colouring is natural colouring, such as beetroot. All the flavours are flavours that are derived from the products themselves. There's nothing artificial used in them. Mm. And all our products are – there's no animal derivatives Mm. in our products as well Mm. – they're all, yeah, vegan
1: or vegetarian. Yeah, they're so, very unique and very versatile and diverse. Yes. And uh, would reach a great broad people with all sorts of different specialty diets. Yes, yes. Yeah. So, interestingly, your friends told you never to open a business <laughs> on the Sunshine Coast <laughs> and never get into manufacturing, but despite their comments, you did. Why?
2: I'd been in business my whole life in South Africa. I didn't really have any skills to be employed by anybody. So i thought okay now we've got to do something here on the sunshine coast and yes we had a lot of naysayers a lot of detractors but i wouldn't even call it personal belief i've just always had the belief that if you're a, if you want to sell coffee they've been selling coffee since the beginning of time there's you can't not let that get you into the market i think we also put our heads together Mal and i my family live in italy they're still in italy we used to travel back and walk through the flea markets and we'd look at products and go we could re-engineer this into something more affordable without compromising on the value of the product or the quality of the product and that's something we started doing so the birth of baladotti really was in the kitchen we'd bring back things from italy break them down see if we could make them any more of a volume runner more affordable to the mass market, and I think I was so felt that there's a very fine line between courage and stupidity. It's very fine,
1: and <laughs> yeah, I so think you've got to have a lot of courage. But uh, yeah, I, yeah.
2: So, so I wasn't actually even sure which path I was on, but uh, we embarked on this. It was tough. We had no network whatsoever. Uh, we started from scratch. We were creating essentially a product that didn't really have a category. We weren't sure. Where and how? to do what we were doing. So there was a lot of naivety. a We lot knew
1: of... nothing about retail. Sometimes it's a good <laughs> thing though isn't it? Because in some ways it can be your superpower because you just, you get cracking don't you and you mm. just find a way. As long as you have that vision, which you obviously had the vision you knew you mm. could do it and there's a saying that I love, I use a lot which is take action and the clarity will come. As long as you can see the end mm. game mm. and somehow you find your strategy along the way. Mm. It doesn't sound technically or that mm probably doesn't sound like a great approach yeah. but often as an entrepreneur when you're creating something as long as as long as you can go I know I've got this I believe in it and you're focused on your purpose and your vision you do find a way don't you so naivety it sounds is sort
0: totally of totally like us we're still searching for clarity but I think yeah. it's still I yeah. think it's totally uh, I, yeah.
2: I I think we just didn't we didn't let we didn't let our lack of experience and knowledge stand in the way, we just sort of said, we'll learn as we go. We used to agree to things that we had no idea what we were agreeing to. I remember when somebody once asked us if we were willing to cross dock. And Mal and I both nodded and agreed and <laughs> then went down to the car and quickly Googled cross because you yeah. had no idea what it meant.
1: Do you know, and I, I come across this often because mm. I do yeah. speak to yeah. a lot of, as a grocer, I speak to a lot of emerging suppliers, mm. new and emerging suppliers that aren't quite retail ready yet. And I often have this conversation because you don't know what you don't know. 30 years ago when Michael and I started in business, we were green as green too. And, and you do learn along the way and... But you never let it get in your way, do you? And so I often have this conversation where I'm sure I've probably asked that question myself. Do you have crosstalk? Which for people listening is basically just a way of getting utilize an existing depot or agency mm. to get your product onto freight to be able to um, distribute it into mm. broader areas. That's what crosstalking is. But, um but yes, it's fascinating. It's great. What was your first? So eleven years ago, where were you targeting? Where were you targeting your market? Then was it through markets, or how did you get your product to market in the first instance?
2: Well, the first thing we did was we thought, okay, what? Where? So Mal and I worked in tandem. Mal was really good at sort of identifying gaps in food areas that weren't being serviced in the market. So Mal was very uh, instrumental in creating a category by bringing in products that were available in different aisles, but bringing them all together as one brand. I love packaging, so my idea was to create this sort of lighthouse effect. And then we put on produce photographs so as to encourage the grocers to locate us in produce. And the reason we wanted that was for two reasons. One is that 100% of the feet normally go through grocery, through produce. Produce department and through the deli, etc. So we wanted the maximum traffic to go through there, and then we also knew that our products would uh, stand out amongst the traditional produce items—the lettuce, tomatoes, potatoes, etc. We had this know effect, and then we obviously made sure that it tied in with the produce area, with the colours, etc., the design. And luckily, we were met with our open arms by the broader grocer community, and we ended up being located in produce with the cellar toppers. and that really worked for us worked for it worked incredibly well for us so that was our big coup if i could call it that and then coupled with that mel pulling together all these different products that we you know had create to create our original range which there are a few items still in the range from the original days and obviously as we've learned we've modified them and developed them but yeah.
0: Mm. Another thing that we did was we literally got in our car when we first started off and delivered to the stores ourselves yeah. and developed a relationship with the produce managers for yep. those stores and a number of them I, I still chat to regularly today mm. and mm. we learned from them yes and the, yeah that helped and I
2: wouldn't like I wouldn't say from since we started I'd say probably for the first 6 years yeah. mm. We delivered ourselves to every store. I would get up at 4 in the morning, Mm. go down to the Rockley Market and develop to some of the distributors there Mm. that now service the grocers themselves. There's a number of sort of distributors. So, yes, it was at base level. We got in base level. We were grassroots and we did everything ourselves.
1: Yeah, no, and, you know, it is a great way to establish a business. But how wonderful that you've been able to grow from there and continue to grow. And Mm. look what you've achieved in 11 years. It's just Mm. mind-blowing, actually. Mm. And if anyone's wondering... You can find the salad toppers in our produce section. That's where you find them. And they do live there beautifully. And uh, and if anyone was wondering, and the beautiful risotto that we stock, we'll find with our local artists and pastors and, mm. and that sort of thing. So look mm. out for those for sure. So we have a lot of listeners that would be inspired by your story. It is inspiring. And they may want to start producing their own food or moving into production or manufacturing. What's one piece of advice you'd give them? to kick start their journey?
2: Probably sounds quite a cliche, but honestly, just don't be discouraged. Don't give up. Don't attract that negative energy from people. If they don't, if they don't believe in what you're doing, then get rid of them. And honestly, it is really, it's, you have to have a passion for it. I always tell my kids the same thing. Don't ever choose something for money. Choose the passion, everything else will follow. And if it doesn't, so what? You're doing something you love anyway. And that's what I've always you know. So I think it's you've got to follow your heart on this. Really, you've got to follow your heart. Keep the brain just behind to watch it. That's what I think.
1: Yeah, I do yeah. agree with that philosophy because sometimes if you're not passionate and you don't love what you do, it's too hard. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and I, I think that's wonderful advice. What about you, Mel? What do you think? Yeah,
0: I agree with Marka. Go for it. Believe in yourself. Back yourself. But also be humble. Listen to people and learn from people. We're all experts. Become experts in our own field. But don't become such an expert that you can't take on board advice from others. And you cannot learn from your mistakes or learn from their mistakes. Because it is a journey for all of us.
1: I totally agree with that as well. There's a, a saying, and, and and it sounds a bit weird, but it actually, if you think about it, there was a, a saying that was spoken once. A gentleman said, "Don't never let the skin grow over your eyes," and yeah, never. Very true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't matter how long mm. you're in business. As I said before, we've been in business thirty years, and we still learn almost every day. Mm.
2: It's. I think if you feel that you've got nothing else to learn, it's time to get out.
1: Yes, oh, 100%. I think we read the same book, hey? <laughs> we come off the same page. You have three children and one of your children is still at school here on the Sunshine Coast, I understand. Yes, that's right. The other two, they here, are they part of the business? Are they? Is this something that no. they want to do or are they following their own passion?
2: Uh, they're all following their own passion. Of course. Sometimes I ask them, I said, wouldn't you want to be a part of it? They said, quite frankly, the stress that I see you and Mom under all the time is not something that we would want to follow. So, my oldest is a graduate paramedic, unfortunately not able to practice as one well at this stage, but is trying and hoping to get employment in that field. My middle child is in childcare. And loving it, absolutely loving it. And then my youngest is in year eleven at school,
0: and has no idea what he wants to do. Mm.
2: But I'm not going to do the put the arm around the shoulder, and tell him to be an engineer. Just, no,
1: just let, let me make that decision, just
2: let him find his I'm way. I'm
1: sure you give him that fine advice too. Mm. Where follow your own passion and mm. do yes. what absolutely. what you're happy, yes. what you're reason. happy doing, yeah. because it's so important, isn't it? What's been your major? challenge through this whole journey, and tell us some of the highlights of Bella Dottie.
2: Uh, Honestly, the biggest challenge was for...
1: 2017.
0: 2017,
2: 2017, I got diagnosed with cancer, and while they were dealing with that cancer, they found another completely unrelated cancer, so I had two different cancers one was really nasty one was really aggressive and scary so it obviously took our focus off the business um but not off the business and Mal was Spending a lot of time at SKU and running the business from her favorite spot down in the visitor's area, running through the laptops and that while I was...
0: I have of, to give a shout out to the coffee shop in SKU. <laughs> they are wow. brilliant. They That's are it. just... Yeah. So oh I think my. that was
2: that was a very big challenge, at least for two years. I was probably more in a hospital than not. And I think that, the,
0: big, no, the bigger challenge was the, due to Michael's treatment, he, he got bilateral Bell's palsy and he had to learn to talk again. Wow. And I think that was very challenging because even when he got back to work, he couldn't talk to people on the phone because they couldn't understand him. Goodness. So we, but we pushed through and we're here still.
2: Yeah, so the business basically flatlined for those two years, but uh, uh, we have the most incredible team at the at work really and they've all been there for years and years and years like six years seven years they're really long and they they rallied and they helped and they did what they could and they helped us keep it going until we could come back and refocus so that was i'd say it's probably one of the biggest challenges we had we've had a lot of challenges like any business along the way with covid now etc but that was definitely the biggest one
0: yeah but through that's also one of one of the good parts of the business is our team they are they are phenomenal they really have been they have really supportive and we do really believe we work together as a team Mm. we work on a very flat structure we all step in and help each other in whatever we're doing and it's a great environment to work in
2: and i'd like to just add uh, in a less personal challenge sort of way that the current global climate in terms of freight both in and out logistically has put so much pressure on the supply of raw ingredients that you cannot buy just in time anymore. You've got to buy larger, much larger quantities than you traditionally bought, which results in tying up more and more cash flow. Mm -hmm. You have to give longer periods. And of course, there's pressure on prices everywhere. And everybody wants to try and keep them down. Nobody wants to move them. So it's hard. Mm -hmm. So this is, I'd probably say, is second to personal challenges. This has been a very testing time as well.
1: Yeah, no, 100%. You're mm. right there, Marco. Mm. And we're just starting to scratch mm. the surface there, I think. Mm. It's just constant evolution, isn't it? Mm. It never stops in business. You just complete, you're just adapting mm. Mm. all of the time to the new environment. And but on
2: a positive note from May, on the sort of highlights of our yes. thing.
1: Well, your uh, team uh, is a highlight, aren't
2: a they? Ha- a team is absolutely a highlight. The fact that <laughs> we could work together, mm. Matt and I, and uh, although our offices are at opposite end of the building.
1: <laughs> okay. Just to be By sure. By design,
2: absolutely. I think the biggest, uh, one of the bigger highlights was how we basically started. When we wanted to take it to the next level, the Australian market outside of the Sunshine Coast wasn't really interested, wasn't receptive to us. We were like newbies on the block. I thought what we need is runs on the board. We need basically credibility, so, I phoned a category manager in New Zealand and asked if he would be willing to look at our range when I was next to New Zealand in business. Had never been there, but we say what we've got to say. And then I called him back and then I went to see him. And he ranged us in Foodstuffs, which is New World, and Pack and Save.
0: Independence over there.
2: And that gave us a tremendous amount of credibility back here. Mm. So we kind of reverse marketed ourselves back into Australia from New Zealand. And that really worked well. So that's a big highlight. Well done. Gaining export markets, big highlights, etc. One
0: of my highlights is customers. My phone number is actually on the back of every pack. Mm. So I take any customer queries and I get customers that Writes letters to me and post them to me telling us how they enjoy our products. Isn't and, that wonderful, Mel? Or it's just that people take the time out of their day to actually thank you and let you know that they really appreciate what you're doing and that's mm.
1: certainly my personal highlight. That's super special, that yeah. is. And for you to make yourself available, to have that connection with your customers, that's a wonderful, wonderful thing to offer to people too. And thank um, you. <laughs> much appreciated, Yeah. Each and every time I come together with my guests, I ask them if they have a motto or what you live your life by. So what would it be, Marco? Mm.
2: I remember many years ago one of my staff uh, stuck a poem on my door which was titled Let Me Die, A Young Man's Death. And uh, it really was that. It's just I don't I, – I just – my motto is – it, honestly just live your life like you're young no yeah. matter what and that's what i do yeah. i mean i jet ski fish i'm 64 next and i fish with my jet ski i uh, i really do believe in just don't let anything stand in your way just go out there and do it and i know it sounds so cliched but it, honestly it is it's real it's real just just go for it and if it doesn't work well you can make another decision
1: yeah good on you redirect love it mel what do you, what's your motto yeah, we've,
0: we've pretty much got the same philosophy about living life to the fullest. As Marco said, he jet skis. I enjoy horse riding. So we both do push our limits. I've got a quote that I absolutely do live my life by, which is by Erin Hansen, the 21-year-old Australian poet. And it's quite cliche, but I still, I love it. There's freedom waiting for you on the breezes of the sky. And you ask, what if I fall? Oh, but my darling, what if I fly?
1: I love it. Yeah, and yeah. that's what I live my life by. Yeah, absolutely. Just step out and grow.
0: what is it grow wings on, <laughs> on the way? <laughs> and hope you don't fall. But yeah, you take that chance. You might. Well, apply. you'll never know unless you yes. give it a go.
1: And um, give it a
2: go. Yeah, just give it a go.
1: Give it a crack. And what's next for Bella Dotti? What are, What are your plans? Oh, we've
2: got a lot of very exciting things in the pipeline. So we are looking at some really nice product developments that we've been working on for quite a while. So that's obviously the next next chapter is with us, and uh, we're growing
0: onwards and upwards
2: exponentially in 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 exports. We really are, Uh, and that again is the great support of TIQ, Fan, Fial. Yeah, great support.
1: They're great, great organisations. Yes,
2: fantastic. All of them have been really, really supportive and amazing for us. So. Well, we'd love
0: to see Bella Dotti recognised as a almost household food name, synonymous with quality
1: and all that Australian products have to trusted offer. Brand. Yeah,
0: trusted.
2: A trusted brand. That's where we'd like to be. So
1: well, plan. you're well on your way. <laughs> and you're certainly a trusted brand at our Whites IGA stores. Thank you. And the fact that your product is created, manufactured just <laughs> minutes, really. Uh, in drive time from at least a couple of hours. And
2: your stores. And, and, and thank you. Thank you for your longstanding support that mm-hmm. you've given our company, which is obviously on the backbone of that we've built our business is the support of local stores such as yourself. Mm-hmm. So thank you.
1: Oh, it's an yes. absolute pleasure. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you both. And thank you for what you've created, what you're doing, and how you're making life better for not just our community but for people and families all over the world. Well done. Congratulations on everything that you've done. It's been an absolute delight to have you here today. Thank you. And thank you for inviting us. Cheers. A locavore
0: is a person who chooses to consume food that is grown, raised or produced locally. This is the locavore podcast brought to you by White's IGA.